0: Welcome to season three of Young Black Misses. I'm your host Morgan F and I'm so happy to be back with you to start a new season, season three of Young Black Misses. And so just a quick heads up, um, this This season, I've got so much good for you coming. And as I mentioned at the end of last season, I am not coming to you without a guest. And so, you know, I kind of outdid myself today. I didn't bring you one guest. I brought you two guests. The ladies of Winance. Marie and Stephanie, are here a little later in the main event. But let me like wet your whistle a little bit. Let me tell you a little something about these lovely ladies. Okay, let me tell you a little something about Marie and Stephanie. Are the sisters of financial independence and the founders of Winance, their personal finance education company. Through their live stream show, Winance Wednesday, and their online and in person workshops, they teach their clients and community how to live more fully by spending with intention and building wealth through investing. So, both Marie and Stephanie grew up a bit financially insecure and started out repeating the bad habits they learned from their parents. Though they turned things around in their 20s through growing their careers, by their mid-30s, they realized the savings sitting in their bank account wasn't actually growing, and that wealth was still not happening for them. So soon they found the FIRE movement. Financial independents retire early and learn how to master for their 401ks. And then they wanted to share that knowledge, thank you girls, with their girlfriends. They soon built a PowerPoint presentation. And before you know it, guys, Winance started. It's so awesome to have them with us a little later on in the main event. I'm so excited for you guys to hear the conversation. All this month, I will be doing Black black topics, if you will, it's Young Black Business, get with it, in honor of um, Black History Month in February. So today's topic is going to be black money. All right. Uh, right, let's get into my favorite segment. Now that you know a little bit more about my guests, let's get into my favorite segment. Shaking my curls, uh-uh, I'm shaking my curls, uh-uh, I'm shaking my curls, shaking my curls. Uh-uh, I'm shaking my curls, uh-uh, I'm shaking my curls. Uh-uh, shaking, my curls. shaking my curls. Shaking my curls. Now we dive into the specifics a little bit more in the uh, main event with Stephanie and Marie, but I am shaking my curls at not sharing good financial habits. I mentioned a little bit in the main event that. You know, I learned from a family or let me say it this way. I knew that a family member had the knowledge about finances, about investing and that sort of thing. But I just felt like it was like closed lips. And I don't understand why if you have that good information, like if you're a Christian, (laughs) you're going to tell everybody what God done did for you. okay? so if you making that coin, why are you keeping that to yourself? Why are you withholding the information about how to save, how to invest, how to build wealth? Why are you holding that to yourself? How is that going to help build wealth if you're the one keeping it in your mind? I've heard so many stories of people that'll say, well, my great-grandfather, this one in particular, my great-grandfather left my grandfather like, like a lot of money million million dollars whatever but my grandfather didn't know how to maintain this money so hypothetical situation guys uh well no this is a real situation but this is a story but i'm just saying didn't know how to maintain this money so (laughs) nothing was left to me as a grandchild right that's what the gal said that i was watching and i think that's very very common um i'm just gonna speak from the black experience because that's the only experience i know about In in black culture, we are so like, we'll tell you about our sexual escapades, but we'll not tell you how much money we got in our, in our, how much money we make salary wise or how much money we got in the bank or how we did like, why is, you can tell me all about how you getting down, but you can't tell me how you saving your money. I don't understand. So I'm really shaking my curls at withholding the knowledge that will help generations build wealth. I feel so much better getting that off my chest. And you guys, I'm back. I'm back on the mic, shaking my curls. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm geeked, I'm I'm geeked. If you're excited, slide in my DMs and tell me you're excited. Just let me know, that young black missus, let's go. All right, on to the next segment. What you chewing? In honor of the Kansas City Chiefs, my home team, being in the Super Bowl for a second year in, in a row, the big game, second year in a row, I think we're okay saying that. Um, I am preparing and I'm munching on some some uh, vegan party game day bites. And so I've made these like several million kajillion times, but I am munching on a quinoa brown rice buffalo bite. And so it is prayerfully <laughs> the recipe will be in the show notes show notes of this um, of this uh, podcast but anyways because you know, I'm working on things so anyways so this has got rice white beans quinoa buffalo sauce garlic and a shallot and i'm just going to dip it in to my homemade ranch I don't have a recipe for because I just kind of throw stuff together, but I have a recipe for this one. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. I was really obsessed. I love this. Very, very buffalo-y because I put like a half a cup. You can put a fourth of a cup if you want to, but I put a half a cup because that's my business. Like Auntie Tab said. <laughs>
1: um,
0: <if, laughs> for me, I was always eating the cauliflower wings. Then I got hip to this and I was like, that's a game changer. Because this is, like people aren't, people eat both because last year I brought in buffalo wings and people ate them, Um, cauliflower buffalo wings and people ate them a lot. But this year I'm like prepared for no one to be around. But anyways, I'll be excited to watch the big game this weekend, and that's what I'm chewing. All right, Mm, I'm dropping things. Let's get on to the next segment. Hello, ladies. I have two special guests with me in the main event. I have Stephanie and Marie from Wineance. Wineance. Fi. <laughs> See, I knew we were gonna do something
2: stupid. <laughs> Anyways, ladies, say hello. Hi. Hey. Thanks so much for
1: having us. I know we're super excited to be on here. I, I know we've been, you know online friends with you for a while and so we're excited to finally like be quasi face to face yeah exactly as as we're,
0: gonna <laughs> we're gonna get well thanks marie and stephanie for meeting with me on this lovely day and um i'm just so excited to have jump into our topic about black money and honor yes. black history month um coming up and well when we're recording this but when you guys hear it it'll be february yes yes <laughs> <laughs> So I just want you guys to do a quick introduction of Wine man's a little bit about, you know, how that business got started a little about a little about you for my listeners who maybe aren't connected, which I don't know why, what y'all sleeping on these ladies for, but
2: <laughs> anyways. Uh, sure. Marie, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, So my name is Marie um, and my sister Stephanie and I, we run a personal finance education business called Wineance, which is wine and finance put together. Um, And we kind of got started very much accidentally. Um, I got you know, really focused on investing in my 401k about five years ago. Um, and I was frustrated. I didn't know how to navigate my provider website or anything like that. And I basically didn't invest in my 401k in my twenties. So, you know, in my early thirties, I said, okay, I'm going to take this seriously and kind of just jumped down the rabbit hole of learning about how to invest. And, um, Ended up finding the financial independence movement, and um, and I took what I knew and applied it to my 401k, and I started seeing results from it. Um, And I told Stephanie about it. I was like, Hey, you know, I'm learning how to invest in my 401k, and if you have any questions, let me know. And um, she was like, Yeah, I feel like my 401k is bleeding money. I need some help with it. So I helped her and her husband rebalance it. And shortly after she got really interested in learning about it herself, wanted to kind of, you know, figure things out for her herself. And um, it was right after the 2016 election um, or I guess the inauguration where we were, you know feeling out of control, um, very much upset about the state of the world. And Stephanie had this great idea. She was like, you know, the one thing that we can try to have control over is our finances. Um, and she's like, what if we took what we've learned about investing in an in R 401 case and we put it like basically put it in a presentation for our girlfriends and like, you know, have them over on a Saturday night. And so we, that was like our first Saturday night wine and finance party that we ever hosted. And that was in, I guess that was four years ago now. Yep. 2017.
1: Fi- oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I mean that was the same thing where uh, you know you I felt so out of control, and I am a self-proclaimed control freak. So definitely, when I learned like okay, I, I can have control over my finance. I don't know what's going to happen to the government and the world around me, but at least if I got my money in in order, I can flee if I need to <laughs> or, or other things. So um, like Marisa, we had our very first you know what eventually became wine night. Um, we we kept doing them over and over with friends and family and coworkers and whatnot and. And it just became a lot of fun. You know, I think that talking about money and investing in stocks and index funds can be a very dry subject. And unless you're super nerdy into numbers like that, most people are like, yeah, they just kind of glaze over and and you know think, OK, whatever. Um, but, you know, we tried to make it fun. We tried to, you know, bring in like it's just that friendship group and also make it more approachable. A lot of people don't want to talk about their finances. There's there can be shame associated with it um, or, you know, just feeling that you're not at the place that you really want to be or that you should be compared to other people. And we wanted to make it clear that, you know, all of us started at the same place, you know, no one really in our friend circle was, you know, born into wealth. We all, you know, grew up together and, you know, have the same general income level and, you know, some people save some people don't and we just wanted to teach them that there are things beyond just what everybody else is doing and keeping up with the joneses you can actually save and build wealth and you know it doesn't matter where you started from but it's just about you know passing on the knowledge and sharing it with our community
0: yeah. Oh, I love all that. You guys are my people. I really, I think that's <laughs> why we vibe because I'm like, yeah. there's no one out here, like in my circle of friends, talking about this. And I, I found, yeah. I think I found Stephanie posted something in, in a group, and I was like, wine and finance, sign me <laughs> up <I'm here laughs> for it. Okay. So uh, Marie mentioned uh, acronym FI, but I think you might have said it financial independence. Could you guys? I don't know who wants to break this down. I'm trying to look at you guys' eyes. Maybe Stephanie, okay. uh, what the <laughs> what the fire movement is all about for my listeners who are maybe not sure.
1: Yeah, So like we said, the FI is for financial independence and the FIRE, the RE part is retire early. So financial independence retire early. And so that's the FIRE acronym. And um, they're really kind of two parts. And so if you think about the first part, that financial independence, um, some people will say that it's when you have twenty t- 25 times your uh, annual spending. So if you spend $40,000 a year and you have 25 times that, I believe that comes to $1 million. So you would be financially independent at that point if you're only spending that $40,000 a year. Um, Some people will say it's just basically when you have enough invested to be able to live off of your um, investment income. So that could be rental properties, that can be stocks and and, retirement accounts. I mean, I always say this, like our our, um, aunt and uncle, they're retired. And I'm like, they're financially independent because they're living off of their retirement accounts. Most people who are retired and not actually working are financially independent technically. So there's different kind of... um, Definitions, but those are some of the standard definitions of what financial independence means. And then there's the retire early portion. And so, retired early is kind of what it sounds like. Your traditional retirement age is going to be, you know, 59 and a half for, you know, legal purposes for like pulling from your 401k or your IRAs, but you know, around early 60s, 60 to 65 years old is typical retirement age. People who um, are part of the FIRE movement are looking to retire much earlier, some in their 30s, some in their 40s. And then even retiring your 50s can be considered retiring early. Um, But I think the important thing to also know about that, that RE, retire early part, it doesn't mean that you leave your nine to five job and never work another job again and don't own a business and you just live on a beach somewhere or in your basement playing video games or whatever, even though, Hey, if that's what you want to do, you got the money to do it. Cool. (laughs) Kudos to you. But what it really can mean is that you're no longer required to work um, at a job just to make that paycheck. You basically can retire from your, your previous typical nine to five life and instead choose to do the work that you want to do because it fulfills you and it brings you passion. You know, Marie and I always say that eventually one day, hopefully we'll we'll leave our typical nine to five jobs and we'll be able to do finance full time. And that will absolutely be work. It's work now. <laughs> I doubt <laughs> it's going to be any work, you know, when we're doing it full time later. Um, but it's things that fulfill us and bring us passion. Again, just sharing all this knowledge with Our community is what you know excites us about doing it so i think that there's like the the standard definition of these of these acronyms but then also that um kind of just theoretical part that's outside of that and i think it's so important for people to understand both that both sides of that i don't know if you want to add anything marie but
0: stephanie said something that oh yeah go ahead
1: (laughs) Well,
2: yeah, no, I mean, Stephanie summarized it um, perfectly. And I think the biggest thing that I would love for your audience to take away is that the FIRE movement, there are so many different ways to approach either financial independence or the retire early part, if that's something that you're interested in. Um, It doesn't have to be this rigorous thing like that you can only, you know, there's something called like Coast Fire, which is like you can invest enough in your investment accounts until you get to a point where the amount you have invested will continue to grow until you reach traditional retirement age, at which point then you would start pulling from your retirement account. So like, let's say if you're trying to get to a million dollars, maybe by the time you get to $300,000, you can kind of coast on that and allow that to grow over the next 40 years of your, of your life. And then what you can do in the meantime is take the money that you're living off of and you can choose to either invest that in other areas, maybe paying down your mortgage or say, you know, I want to start working part-time. Like I know I'm not going to do the, full early retirement thing, but I want to reduce my working hours because I don't want to work so hard, you know, or work as many hours. And I've got enough in my investments that it can coast me until I do reach um, traditional retirement age. So just know that there are lots of different types of um, ways to um, achieve financial independence and you can choose the one that best fits you and your goals.
0: Yeah. I saw one that was barista fire. that's yeah. like, yeah. me where yeah. it's like you, um, you just go work at a coffee shop and get the health yeah. insurance.
2: You know? Yes. Yeah. 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 Which is probably what I will end up doing for some period of time too, you know, just, or either myself or my husband will probably need to have like those health insurance benefits at some point um, once I leave my traditional nine to five job. So, you know, we're both open to that. It still gives us more flexibility in our lives than we would have, you know, working traditional nine to five jobs
0: right okay i love all that but i feel like the thing with fire uh or fi in general is that i just feel like as black people we just can't get past that pay to pay paycheck to paycheck mentality i will never forget my mom and i think it's dope but also i think it's a struggle where she would have this notebook where she would write out everything and i could just tell she was like grabbing from this account to pull to that bill. It's just like that paycheck to paycheck struggle. I hear it with other family members, just like, I just don't have the funds. So I feel like, and this might not just be a black people thing, but since I'm black, I speak on, on what I know. Um, But just like, how do you guys, that mindset of that paycheck to paycheck, what is your thought behind that?
2: Yeah. I mean, we definitely grew up very, very similarly. You know, we grew up a um, single mom. Our parents divorced when we were really young and grew up with our mom. And she was definitely doing the same, robbing Peter to pay Paul. You know, we grew up eating hamburger helper and Kool Aid. <laughs> it's like the staples in our house. So we totally get that and came from that environment and also started kind of repeating those cycles as we became adults because you don't you don't know any different, right? I mean, if you don't, if your parents don't really have the skills or the assets to really help them, you know, learn how to properly manage money, then you end up like passing on some of those bad habits to your kids. Um, Paycheck to paycheck can happen for a number of reasons, right? It can happen because somebody's income truly does not meet what they need in order to live, you know, we need to increase the minimum wage. And I know there's a, co- a constant debate about that, but that is one of the ways that, um, you know, people can kind of get over this hurdle. The other thing is like spending, do, do are you spending in areas that, that are causing you to kind of have this negative amount at the end of each month? And, I think within the black community, especially it ends up being um, pervasive just for the simple fact that, you know, we grow through so much discrimination. You know, we go through discrimination with different jobs. We end up making lower incomes traditionally than our than our white counterparts. And so there are so many, there's so many more obstacles for black Americans, especially when it comes to this vicious paycheck to paycheck cycle. Um, The biggest thing I would say about overcoming that is that you will either have to find a way to lower your expenses or to increase your income. And in some cases, you might end up having to do both. I mean, there is sort of like no way of getting around that. Um, And so there are creative ways to get around that, though. So for instance, if you need to come up with money fast, try selling something online. I I can't tell you how many things I've sold on eBay and Facebook Marketplace. You know, if you needed to pay a bill or let's say you want to make it a goal to pay down some debt or something like that. You would be surprised how much stuff you have in your house that somebody else will buy. Um, The other, so that's like, you know, a quick and easy way to kind of increase your, um, um, some income, especially if you need some quickly. The other thing is you have to find a way to lower your expenses. And you can only do that, but so much. I mean, everybody needs food and shelter, right? And especially if you are a working family and you've got to provide for kids, you might not necessarily have that same flexibility of finding like a cheaper place to live or finding a full-time job that offers um, more pay. So, are there other areas that you can try to cut back on a little bit? And I know this is so, just very common. I think in the Black community, just like what you were saying about your mom, is just finding ways to be kind of creative with your numbers.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I can say from my perspective, I've always believed that knowledge is power. And like like Marisa, we grew up. same way that our mom basically taught us the same thing she was doing we would live paycheck to paycheck and even once i started making a decent income i still felt like i was living paycheck to paycheck like i felt like the, I was making a decent income. So therefore I could afford to buy the things I wanted to buy and spend the money, the w- places I wanted to spend, because I wasn't going to put me into debt, but it certainly wasn't getting me ahead. And finally it hit me one day where I was like, okay, really I'm making money now. Like, where is my money going? And like Marie said, I looked around and I said, oh, it's all these things around me. Oh, it's, you know, it's the dinner we ordered out for the past, you know, five nights, you know, in the week or whatever. So, you know, I, I think there are always places where people can pull from to stop, you know, kind of curb that spending to pull that in, like where said, selling some of the things that you really don't care about that aren't that important to you. Cause you got, just cause it seemed like the cool thing at the time or whatever it might be, but then also the knowledge that it takes to, to face that and realize that. And I think in, in our community and, you know, for a lot of people of color, whether you're black or Hispanic, or, you know, just a number of people of color in their communities, financial um, knowledge and financial education is not a thing let alone it's not you know put first but it's not even a thing you know all the things that Marie and I have taught or been taught and, and have learned over the past you know however many years and that we're teaching our community are things we've learned on our own. nobody taught this in school you know people in our family didn't know about this you know it's, it's all things that we've had to learn on our own and I think that's part of the problem as well is that if you're not taught these things growing up, and you're, the people around you, your friends and your family don't even know about it either, then how the heck are you supposed to get out of that cycle? And I think that's where it really becomes that vicious cycle of your parents did something. So you did it too. So then your kids are going to do it and your friends never did it. So you're going to continue to do it as well. You know, it's, it really becomes such a vicious cycle in your community. And so that's why it's so important for Marie and I to really focus on the community of women, community of of black people, community of just people in color in general, to share this information so that, they can break that cycle because I really feel like the knowledge is one of those critical things that, even if you know, oh, yeah, I shouldn't spend my money here or I shouldn't have ordered this thing or there or whatever, um, you know, without knowing what to do next, you're going to still end up in the same place.
0: Yeah. I think something that you said made me think of some conversation I have with my friend. She will tell me all about her love life, AKA her sex life. But when I ask her about her money, close lip, mm-hmm. like, Mm-hmm. So I just don't think we're, we're talking about it. Well, I don't want to tell you da-da-da-da-da. I don't yeah, want, and I'm not yeah. even asking how much you're making. I'm like, what are you doing with your money? Like, how yeah. are you spending it? Um, these yeah. types of things. It's just, so it's just, it's so, it's so private and it really shouldn't be. I mean, right. I, like, I don't have to know how much salary you make, but I watch people right. on YouTube talk about it all the time. And I'm like, wow, okay. That's how much you, okay. I see. Let me ask if I could get a raise or something, you know, but yeah. I, I just think that we're we're not talking about it and then we're Mm. all doing the same things. I'm sure we you you may have that like you had mentioned your aunt and your uncle that are retired. I for me, I have family members that I know are well off. I have I have a professional athlete in in my family. I, I mean I just know. And I have other family members I can, you know, I just know that they're doing well. And so then I'm like, okay, well, like what are you doing? And they
1: get quiet. Like, mm. And it's like, like, why? You didn't say like, why? okay, well, how much is in your retirement account? Yeah, or like
0: pay yeah. me like, to stop. And, uh, and then eventually she would kind of say, you know, just start investing. And I was like, okay, well, that's some good insight and that sort yeah. of thing. But, but it's just like, we're holding on to this information uh-huh. and, and just we're not, we're also not leaving anything down for anyone, uh, any other yes. next generations too. But so that, that always gets me ah, kind of going, yeah. but I like something that you said, Stephanie, about like feeling like, okay, well I'm, I'm making this coin. So let me go buy this bag. That, that's me. I'm I'm just, that's, I minister to me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or let me go buy it for, yeah, for me, it's like a Kate's Spade bag, but I'm going to move forward because <laughs> it's leather and I'm trying to be <laughs> Life but um but I just feel like we just start accumulating stuff and then we yes. feel like we have to reward ourselves for for working so hard yes uh, it whether it be a thing or like I went out on Thursday and got something to eat because I was like I've worked hard all week and yeah. da, 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 you know it's just it's hard to get out of that it's hard to get out of that, that cycle. And I feel like that's even when you start making money, then your money goes to something else instead of like putting it towards savings or putting it towards investing. So what do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can say from personal experience, like I said, I've done that before. That was me, like back in 2000, basically 2008 to, to around 2014, 15. That was absolute me. I started like working a real career. I was making an actual salary, not working hourly anymore, but making a salary, making decent money. And, you know, I was able to even buy a house in 2011. We bought our, our first house, a townhouse. And so I felt like, oh, I'm doing good now. You know, I'm, I'm living the life that I've wanted. You know, I'm happily married. Like we can buy things. And that's really what we were. We would order food out practically every night. You know, I did a, uh, we did a finance episode about how the little expenses add up. I spent over $2,000 on food things that month, like in one month, $2,000. And I could sit there and say, I don't have money to invest no, that's nonsense. (laughs) That's obvious nonsense. But you know, that's the thing is that when you're in that mentality of, especially when you're, you're coming from a paycheck to paycheck life, and then you start to have money and then your paycheck grows, but you're so accustomed to spending all of what you have if you're making a, a $1000 paycheck you spend that $1000 you're not like okay I'm only going to spend 500 and put another 500 away so no matter how much that increases even if that $1000 paycheck turns into $10,000 you're now just spending $10,000 instead of 1000 you know and that's that's where it took conscious effort on my part to not do that anymore, to say, okay, I want to have more because we also knew like that townhouse wasn't gonna be our forever home. Um, we know we wanted more, especially once we had a family and, and had a child or children, um, we wanted to to expand beyond that and living paycheck to paycheck in that townhouse was not gonna allow us to move to another place and move to a better community or anything. So, you know, I think it's so important that people realize that trying to, to maximize the spending of what you're bringing in is not going to benefit you in the end and really again the the knowledge of learning what to do with that extra half of your paycheck or the extra whatever portion of your paycheck that you can put away once all your your actual living expenses and the debts that you need to pay down are there that's what's going to make the difference you know not finding um you know not finding hope or feelings and the things that you're buying and thinking that's going to change things in your life. You know, I, like Marie and I said, we've, we grew up financially insecure. So there were things that I always wanted growing up and you know, when I finally was old enough and, and at a financial point in my life to be able to purchase those things, I felt like, okay, this is going to make me whole. This is going to make me right again. And it never did. It really never did. And, um, I think that's, or that it's is- a
2: symbol of success.
1: Yeah. That it's a symbol of know? success either it, like
0: absolutely. my Kate Spade bag. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, we do do that. You know, we think, okay, especially if you came from a place of lower means that you, okay, you're making it because maybe you went to college and now you got a degree and you got your, your job and your salary and you're set. And so now you want to level up, right? It's Mm -hmm. that lifestyle creep. Well, these are the things that people who are at my salary level do. And I deserve exactly what you said, Morgan, that I deserve this and that we, we try to perform success for ourselves and for others. In reality, what success looks like is having multiple commas in your bank account. That's what success is. And you don't get that when you're constantly buying, things for yourself. Buying a Kate Spade bag, there's nothing wrong with that. Like if that brings you value and you love that and you feel good every time you walk out the house with that bag, go get that bag. You know what I mean? But if you got 20 of those bags, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and you can't figure out ways to invest in other areas. Well, now there there's a problem there, right? Cause that's not creating wealth. You know what I mean? That's just creating a really cute closet.
0: Hey. I'm up to three, but one's broken. So, you know, But that was what you said made me think of that, that one Drake song, you know, where the girl goes after Netflix and chill, what's your net 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 worth? Yeah. She was talking, right? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, well, we, who who cares what, you know, what, what things you have? I mean, it's all about the dollar signs and yeah. um for if, if you're trying to be financially independent, so to yeah. speak, you know, so I'm glad y'all pointed that out. And speaking of investing, funny story. Okay. So my I asked my friend again talking about money just trying to like you know she just recently purchased a house maybe a year ago and now she has a kid oh now dang it if she hears this she'll know I'm talking about her but that's okay we had a conversation um she said I said oh do you invest she said I I invested in this home Mm. and Mm. I was like okay yeah but I was talking like more stocks and bonds and Mm. you know that kind of stuff and so it just cracks me up because I feel like um, no one really ever talked to me about stock market. I get, I did get a little, um, or like even that a 401k is actually investing. And I know Stephanie, you, like your HSAs and such. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. And I, and like, no, no one talked to me about this kind of information. My whole life was like, you know, you go to college, you get that, you get that good job, get that good salary, you buy a house. And you're set and don't forget to tie 10%. Let me throw that in for for my daddy. (laughs) Um, uh, And it just, that was the balance of life, like giving, giving. Mm -hmm. And no one ever really had a conversation about like investing
2: uh, outside of just real estate. So what Mm -hmm. are you guys' thoughts on that? I'm personally a believer that the home you live in is not an investment. It's the home you live in. I mean, is it in, is it considered an asset, you know? potentially depending on if you, you know, invested well and you picked a good house in a particular neighborhood. And so the amount that you pay for it will end up, or actually the amount that it's worth will end up exceeding what you pay for it. Right. But it's not really an investment. You have to have somewhere to live. Um, so I don't really think of my home as, as an investment is I calculate it as part of my net worth. Um, but if I were to sell my house today, I want to, I know I'll have a positive net worth regardless. And that is a kind of a key thing right there is that if you're buying a house, it doesn't automatically mean that you're going to have a positive net worth. It doesn't automatically mean that that house was a good investment either. You sure, certainly, and Stephanie, you're really good about like, sort of, you've been through this a couple of times now with buying and selling homes, but. Um, you got to do your comps and everything, but at the end of the day, you are buying the home that you live in with your emotions. You know what I mean? This is like, this is a place that you're going to live with your family. This isn't like, you're not buying. This is like a rental property. So I just don't like
1: mindset wise. I don't think of the home I live in as an investment. Right. I mean, I say unless you are intentionally doing a live-in flip, which basically means you buy the home to, mm. you know, update it, renovate it, you live in there for the legally amount of time required to get the best tax benefits and whatnot, and then you sell it like two or three years later, and you know, with the full intention of doing that, it's not an investment. You know, doing it that way or knowing that you're buying it to live in for a couple years again to get the tax benefit and then. Making it an income property because you know that works best for you, then that's an investment. But most of us, when we're buying a home to live in for the foreseeable future and for our family whatever whatever, um, it's not an investment because one, that money can't actually be t- really tapped into until you sell the house. You know, mm-hmm. like Marie said, I, I count my house, at, you know, included in my net worth. It's part of my assets. I know that mm-hmm. if God forbid something happened and I had to sell my house today, I would walk away with money, which is good. You, that's what you want to do. You, you don't want to be underwater and. You're your house. But it's also not money I can spend today. And the only way I could is if I got a loan on my house, which therefore I'm going into debt just to take the money that's technically my money. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's not an investment in that way. Whereas if I'm investing in the stock market, I can pull my money out at any time and use it yes. however I choose to. That is an investment. Or even if you're buying rental properties with the full intention of making those an income you know, stream for you, that's an investment. But the home that you live in, should not be viewed as again. Not to say that it's not worth something. Not to say that it's not an asset. It absolutely is. And hopefully, you know, when you ran your numbers and you made your offer and you signed, you know, on the dotted line, that that's your house now. You know, you you chose a house that was going to grow in in you know what it's worth over the years and not depreciate. But um, I think that what the, the 2008 and 2009 housing crisis taught us is that nothing is guaranteed. Um, I think that was a very specific, you know, incident in, in our history of, of real estate in this country, but it's also to never say that something like that couldn't happen again. And so I don't think people should just assume that just because they bought real estate as a place that they live in, that it's always going to make them money. Mm.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I just think that's a wise old thought that we have as black people like, oh, this house is going to be everything because historically that's, that's how black folk got a lot of their wealth was through homes and keeping that home in the family. Like my grandma's, um, grandparents who are there no longer with me and then unfortunately my uncle that was living in that house no longer with me um their home you know paid for but it's not in the best of neighborhoods so i don't know if it's worth anything at this point but it's Mm -hmm. it's something that the family could you know use and um you know eventually sell and split amongst whoever for some sort of generational whatever but i just don't know if that's going to happen um but in that same thought it's, I've always felt like we've, we've talked about how some people are not sharing these lessons. We didn't know. So we, we, we don't know what we don't know, but then when someone does know, it's hard to kind of get them to really tell us, what what, give us the good tea. And so I feel like that's why we are as black folks are so behind with, uh, with wealth, um, at worth is so much lower. I think I read a stat that was like white folks are, or white families are have 10 times more than black families. And I think Hispanic and Asian were in between. I was like, wow, like we're really slipping. And I know people point out reparations, which I won't get into and how that would even things out a bit, but I just, I just feel as if we're not going to move forward unless we really take a good hard look at how we're spending. Um, yes. That's that's my opinion. Good hard look yeah. at how we're spending and then good hard look at what we're doing with our money in general. So what are you guys' thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, so kind of going to what you were talking about in terms of Um, Black net uh, wealth being, you know, 10 times lower than the average um, white American, you know, I actually, there was a stat that came out last year that said that in 1863, Black Americans owned 0.5% of the nation's wealth. And in 2020, that number was 1.5%. So in 150 years or whatever, we've only leveled up 1 1%. That's insane. And then there was also a federal uh, reserve study that came out and said that by the year 2053, black uh, wealth will be at 0%. So we ha- absolutely, this is like our climate change crisis. Like we don't have a choice, but to do something about it. And it is, you are hundred percent right, Morgan. Like we, those of us who do understand investing and how to manage money we do need to impart this information to one another because we ha- nobody else is going to come and save us. We know that this government is not going to come and fix things for us. It's they If they were going to do reparations, if there was an appetite for reparations, they would have been done it by now. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that at some point in the future that that does happen because this, co- this country does need to pay penance to the Black Americans who built this country, who made it the wealthiest country in the world. But until that happens, we got to figure things out for ourselves. And the first thing is, is sharing that knowledge and that information with one another. So that's why we are so fiercely passionate about making sure that our community understands like how to invest. If you have a retirement account and your job, you absolutely need to find a way to be investing in it. 1,000%. Like if you are paying money to feed yourself, to clothe yourself, and to shelter yourself, then one of those other crucial bills that you need to be paying, and I say bills in air quotes, is investing in yourself and investing in your future. Because that is the only way that we're going to start to create generational wealth. Um, It is important that we, we are able to buy and own homes. Absolutely. But not to the extent that we are so house poor that we can't also invest in our retirement accounts and brokerage accounts, that we can't also help our other extended family members learn how to invest for themselves. Um, If you are also employed in a job that doesn't offer any kind of retirement benefits, that's okay. You can open up an IRA, an individual retirement account you can open up one of those accounts for free at almost any bank in the country. Um, We personally love Vanguard. Fidelity is another great um, brokerage to go with. Open up an IRA. You have a maximum of $6,000 that you can contribute annually um, and just start contributing to that. Even if all you can put in it is $25, $50, just doing that and investing in a, a, you know, a low fee index fund is going to make a phenomenal difference in your ability to grow and build wealth for yourself.
1: Right, I mean, I think kind of going back to the idea of generational wealth, I think previous generations, it, it, some of them knew and some of them knew a path to to build wealth. And then they tried to share. And then there was a breakdown in between at some point, like for our family, the matriarch and patriarch of our family, uh, George and Jenny Bridgeforth were slaves. They were born into slavery and they were slaves. And then when they were freed, um, George Bridgeforth, he stayed on with actually the, his slave owner um, or his, his former slave owner who actually taught him how to buy land. Um, They lived in Alabama. He taught him how to buy land. He bought up, I forget how many acres of land, but he became the richest or the wealthiest a black man in the state of Alabama for the longest time, and he taught his sons how to farm. So they not only you know bought up all this land, but they farmed the land. They built you know communities and homes on this land, and they built a life for their their fellow community, their the fellow former slaves and childrens slaves in their community. And it's it's such an amazing story and a powerful story. And I feel so fortunate that that is my heritage and my family. And actually, like the ancestors, they're you know my my mom's cousins. Still farms down there. He has a, a very nice farm down there as well, and they still have a business. But the thing is, at that at some point, you know that information kind of faded away. Like you know, they, these are only a few generations um, separated from us. But yet, I've never learned how to buy land. You know, I've never learned how to farm or anything. Granted, it's like the community in the area I live in is not you know a very rural. area. I don't think either. we're the farming type. Oh, we're not the farming type, probably. <laughs> But, you know, that's the thing is like, even just the idea of how to build wealth over owning land um, was just a piece of knowledge that faded away over the, you know, the few generations in between us. And that's the thing. You got to think that this was only a, a, you know, a couple hundred years ago. This wasn't a long time ago in, in the lifespan of humans, but it's a lot of information that could have helped you know, my, my, my cousins, myself, my other uncles and aunts, you know, things that it could have helped them over time too, to continue that wealth generation. And that's why it's so important to try to bring that knowledge back, you know, teach our children, teach our friends and our family, like be open and honest about money. If you feel uncomfortable talking about your salary, that's fine. Then talk in general numbers, talk in percentages. You know, a lot of people kind of understand the basic of percentages. Uh, If I say that I saved 42% of my income, you have no idea what, you know, how much i make, but you know that 42% of your income, if you looked at your own, so that's a decent amount of money. So, you know, that's fine if you don't want to give exact specifics, but I think particularly with your children, if you have kids or, or young people in your life, share that information with them so that they understand what that means. You know, I, I have a six-year-old son and I, he already knows way more about money and finances than I did at like 20, let alone six years old. I mean, you know, he, my friend gave him $25 like cash for Christmas. And she said, what are you going to do with that with money? And he goes, I'm going to save and invest it. Like what? <laughs> that was his response. Like, I love that. And it, and it, you know, it warmed my heart. I was just like, oh my God, I feel like I'm a good mother right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's the thing is that you know, most people wouldn't say that adults probably wouldn't say that they say, Oh, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, go have a nice lunch somewhere, or go have dinner somewhere or whatever. Um, if you put that mentality that saving and investing is part of your life and part of what you do with your money, it's just like, you, you buy food for your table, you buy clothes for your back and you buy a roof over your head. Saving and investing should be one of those things that you have as a necessity of life. Like Marie mentioned, you know, I, I make contributing to my Roth IRA part of my monthly line items on on my budget. And the amount of money I put in there for each month, I make sure that over the course of the year, I'm going to max it out because that's how important it is to me. And that's the information that I also would share with my son when he's old enough to like really start to understand these things. But, you know, I've taught him about interest and how interest can work for you or it can work against you. You know, these are the things that a lot of people don't realize until it's too late, unfortunately. And, you know, I like to think that it's never too late, but in reality, it, it can be sometimes. Sometimes you just dig yourself into such a hole that it feels like you can never climb out of it and by sharing this information bringing generational wealth back to the black community it's going to help alleviate those things it's going to keep you from digging such a deep hole that you feel like you can't get out you know you might be in a little hole a shallow hole but it, there is time to turn around and i think it's so important for people in our community to realize that and yeah. speaking of all that i loved all of, your child is just that that's <laughs> goals for me and me
0: and my husband so we're like look we they going to know they, i mean yes But um, what I was getting ready to say is, um, overall, from everything that we talked about, just with Black Money, like, and we started off talking about financial independence, why do you feel it is so important um, for Black people specifically to embark on a financial independence journey? Yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I well, I can start. I, you know, I think for the reasons that we just talked about, you know, the fact that we don't have as much wealth as our white counterparts. Also, we have a history of like there is a history of predatory lending, of basically keeping, intentionally keeping black people from learning how to actually grow and build wealth to invest their money. Um, you know, we all know about redlining practices. We've now learned about, you know, Greenwood and all these places of bra- black enterprise in this country that has literally been destroyed by white supremacy. So um, the reason why I think black Americans should consider pursuing financial independence, even if you don't do the early retirement part is that we don't have a choice. It's like, we cannot let ourselves get to that 0% um, uh, net worth. We have to start building wealth for ourselves. And so financial independence, no matter what age you are, when you achieve it, It you know, just like Stephanie said, with the example of our aunt and uncle, they are in their seventies, but they are financially independent because they're able to live off of their investments. We don't have a choice. Like we absolutely have to do this. Um, And then the second thing is that White, our white counterparts are already teaching their kids how to do these things. Like my girlfriends, my white girlfriends, their dads told them how to invest in their 401Ks. So they've been investing since they were like 22, 25 years old. Well, I didn't have parents that could teach me those things because they didn't have 401Ks and they certainly didn't know how to invest in them. So like, there is literally no way that we're going to catch up to our peers and make it ahead for ourselves in this country Unless we start doing this, unless we start prioritizing investing and learning how to invest, and also trying to remove any fear that we might have of investing. And I completely understand from a generational standpoint why any person would say, I'd rather put my money under the mattress than put it into a bank or the stock market, especially, you know, we are young enough to remember the 08 crisis. And now we're living through, you know, another, we're living through a recession right now. The stock market is doing well, but the stock market is not the economy. So I completely understand why anyone would have apprehension, but that's why Stephanie and I do finance is because it is important for people to understand, like we need to break it down into really simple steps. This is what it means to invest in your 401k. This is why, you should consider investing in a low cost index fund because the stock market is always going to go up. And we talk about all these things. We talk about things like expense ratios. We talk about things like
1: how to invest
2: in an HSA, because these are those little things that you build that knowledge over time. So then you can not only take advantage of it for yourself, but hopefully you are imparting that within the people
1: in your life. Right. I mean, I I think there's kind of two parts and you know, I, I don't know whether you think you're, you're you're religious or spiritual or not, you know, I personally believe that we are all put here for a reason, we may not know the reason at the time, um, or, you know, or even for most of our life, it just depends, but I think we're all here for a reason, and you know, setting goals for yourself gives you purpose. I'm an extremely goal-driven person. And you know, you don't have to set lofty goals. I'm going to save two billion dollars. Like, no, you obviously nobody's ever going to do that or even make two billion dollars. I mean, kudos if you can, but you know, I think that's kind of an unrealistic goal. But if you set small, achievable goals for yourself, you will slowly build that, that wealth for yourself, you'll slowly build a better life for yourself. And that's literally what Marie and I have done. You know, no, no one handed us money in the, when we were born and said, here you go, have at it. Like we've built everything we have on our own. And so it's it's very possible. And I know that there's, you know, I, I don't want to sound like this is privileged or anything, but, the, you know, there's just some opportunities that people get that other people don't. And I think that's a very realistic thing to say. Um, but I, I think you also have to look into yourself and say, okay, what are the things that I can control? What are the things that I can do to try to give myself a better life? And then just figure out the smallest little thing that you can do to get there and then build off of that because it really becomes that snowball effect of like I did this one little thing. Now I know I can do this next thing because once you've achieved that one thing, you know, you can keep doing more. And you know, something I always say too, is that If you go and set a goal to save a million dollars and you only get halfway there, you still have half a million dollars, you know? Mm -hmm. So, anything that you can do is gonna make you better than what you were before it's okay if you quote fail because you know what I'd love to fail with five hundred yes. <laughs> thousand dollars yeah not a bad way to fail <laughs> you know and and I think it's so important for for our community to understand that you know it again whatever you determine financial independence means to you maybe that means that you can just save a little bit and then let the rest grow while you continue to work for the rest of your life and then that way by the time you're ready to retire you have a little bit of something to live off of maybe that means you do the barista fire like you said and and you work a part-time job well again you let the other money grow or maybe you you go all in and you put every extra penny you have into your investments and and then that way you can retire at whatever age you choose to mm. um, but you know i think that giving ourselves this opportunity is the only answer because like we said nobody's going to give it to us nobody's going to hand it to you and say here you go here's the best job in the world and you're going to make a you know a ton of money off of it and then you know you're going to go live all, you know, right off into the sunset or whatever nobody's going to do that for us so you we have to do it for ourselves and we have to share this information that it's possible you know again without having people in your life who know that this is possible you don't know what you don't know And so it's so important for us in, in the black community who have learned this to share this with our, our fellow family members, our fellow friends, everyone that we can possibly reach. It's so important to share this information. I love it. Okay. We're rallying to the end and here's my favorite part,
0: Mary (laughs) date or dump up. This is my paper coming closer so I can see, Oh, Marie's got, she's ready. Okay. (laughs) I I knew we were going to run a little long so I only have three for you. Okay, so let's do this one. You guys have heard this before. So I'll give you three choices. You let me know which, you know, marry, date, or dump. You could be polygamist. You you could play how you want to. You know what I'm saying? Like if you just, you, you know. Okay, Paula Pant. From afford anything mm-hmm. those guys from choose fi mm-hmm. or mr money mustache who are you marrying who are you dating who are you dumping oh man
2: morgan these are good this is hard
1: i know i feel like i, feel like I know my answer oh <laughs> All go right, ahead. you go first uh i've been <laughs> mentally practicing even though i didn't know who the people were but this is like my <laughs> favorite thing uh so i would marry paula pant because girls got it together she knows her stuff i want her on you know on my team for the long haul Uh, I would date Mr. Money Mustache because he's the kind of person that you need a little bit of tough love sometimes in the beginning. You know, you're still trying to learn and fill yourself out before you commit down to that married level. So fine. And I'm going to have to dump the Choose Fi guys because I, you know, I I did learn a lot from them when I first started this journey. Um, I still fully respect everything that they do and their show, but I feel like I've had to kind of, you know, go on a different path than them. So I'm going to have to let them go you know what i actually think
2: i agree with that ranking um i obviously it was easy like you marry paula pant come on now (laughs) you marry paula pant the reason why i would date mr money mustache is because he kind of is like the modern father of the financial independence movement Um, and sort of without him, a lot of people wouldn't have learned about FI. So for that reason alone, I'd say let's keep him. the choose FI guys. I definitely think they, they have some beneficial stuff. I really like, like Stephanie said, like their earlier seasons, they had a lot of really good information, but, um, if this is a cutthroat game, so they (laughs) got to go.
0: Oh, and just FYI listeners. Oh, all three of those are, are FI, um, Members of the Fi community. Yeah, uh, I don't know if Mr. Money Mustache has a po- uh, podcast, but I know the other two. I think he just has a. He has a
2: YouTube channel,
0: he, right? And he he does has a blog. Usually,
1: like, yeah, he's he more of a blogger. He started out as a blogger, and then he kind of does a YouTube channel, but not regular videos. Just okay. kind of guess as he decides to.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with him, so I would dump him because I'm just not as familiar with him. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I I won't do the Dave Ramsey thing on you guys. We're gonna move.
2: No, on. we. That's. He, six feet under. Okay. <laughs> okay. So
0: we have um, real estate investing, stock market investing, or I know this one's for Stephanie, HSA investing.
1: Ooh. Who are you marrying?
0: Who are you dating? Who are you dumping?
1: Oh, that's a tough one, too. All
2: right. Well, I'll go first. Let's design that, that way. <laughs> so for me, it's obviously marrying, stock market investing. Um, I'm going to say dating real estate investing and I'm dumping HSA only because for me, HSAs don't work for me and my family because my husband has had like quite a few surgeries. We need traditional um, insurance. So just for
1: that reason alone, because it doesn't fit with my lifestyle, I got to dump the HSA. (laughs) All right. So for me, and this is purely based on my personal experience, not on what I believe, but <laughs> I'm going to marry stock market investing because obviously we, we fully believe in that. And I believe that that's a long, you know, a long game that everybody should be playing. Um, I'm going to date HSAs because, you know, I'm still love my HSAs and I believe in them. So, you know, I, I want to learn what I can from my HSA. Uh, And then I'm going to have to dump real estate. And it's not because I don't believe in real estate investing, but from, from my personal perspective and and what I feel for myself, I don't want to like be responsible if things don't work out right with it. So Mm -hmm. like if, you know, I buy a bad property and it just becomes a money pit. Like that's on me, you know, or again, like the, the real estate market turns in the area I bought in, or I am a landlady and my tenants decide not to pay. There's too many like variables in that, that I just, I don't know enough about. I don't feel comfortable about. And I'm like, Ugh, sorry, you gotta go. <laughs> I
0: feel it. Okay. Well, this is, I, I should have got more specific on this one, but I just didn't know. So we're just going to keep it simple, red, white or sparkling. Wines. Ooh, what are we dumping? Oh. What are we dating? Since we're wine, Nancy, so you see? Oh, see, I, that it.
2: Again. I, I know. <laughs> see mm-hmm. I like like choosing your wife. favorite child. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I know what we're both going to say for Mary.
1: I don't know. What are you saying? <laughs> well, I think we would both marry sparkling. I'd like to think so, especially recently, like sparkling wines has been my thing since like oh my Christmas god. The nectar of the gods. (laughs) Champagne. (laughs) I I feel like the thing with sparkling wine is it's good for any occasion at any time of the day. You can have champagne in the morning because it's mimosas and brunch. You know, I'm I'm not gonna turn down a lunchtime champagne glass or whatever. And then of course for dinner and celebration. So I don't mean I guess champagne is a very versatile beverage that, yeah, I suppose we could marry. Oh man, Dayton Dog. So I'm gonna say. Because we've got
2: champagne sparkling wine as Mary, then I'm going to say date red wine only because then you sort of have a red and a white balance there, but it's very hard for me to dump white wine because I love it's. I'm, I'm a seasonal, like I switch off red wine in the winter, white wine in the summer. So it is hard to dump that. But if, as long as I got sparkling wine to get me through summertime, I can, I can dump white wine. <laughs>
1: Y'all oh, are very little with this game. Okay. I know, I know. This one is tough. This is like tougher than the FI ones and in the investing. I'm like, man, can't give up my wines. Oh, yeah. So I'm guessing, again, it's so seasonal. Like Maurice said, like I like my white wines and, and a nice rosé in the summer and then red wines in the, the winter and the cool weather. But um I guess I'll have to do kind of like Marie and date the red wine just because like that kind of helps me chill and relax and just a nice glass of red wine with like Italian food or just after work one day that's always a good thing and then I have to let go of my white wine Let's see uh, oh it was a sad breakup uh, <laughs> roll tea that Morgan just put us through well, like,
0: y'all could have <laughs> just dated the all but that was your choice uh,
2: <laughs> Oh, in that case, I'm marrying them all. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
0: Look, I said look at this. Look at this.
2: But no, I'm surprised you guys like
0: sparkling. I've never seen you guys drink sparkling on you. Your... I know.
1: We need like, it Because it makes us like burp too much. You can't be burping on it. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's like me with carbon. Okay, sorry. But <laughs>
1: <Season> three. <laughs> okay, there we'll you this. go. And then
0: when you do it, I'll be like, see, they thought of me.
2: Yeah, yes, Morgan, shout out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go.
0: I've got a couple. I appreciate it. Um. Yeah, I I would definitely have to marry red. Would which is weird because when I got married, married like to my husband, I was like before we when we were dating, I was like white girl all. Wait, hold on, white glass ah. girl <laughs> all the <Yeah>. way, uh, <laughs> and, and um, now I'm like I want a red. Give me a red. What what are these whites here for? I don't know <laughs>
1: So oh, I know. I it's funny it. how you, you just, your palate changes over time. I, I think I started with red wine when I first started drinking wine and then I went to white and then I went to red and now I just like do the seasonal thing. <laughs> so that maybe that's the approach I need to take. Cause you're right.
0: Like the summertime you, you do want a little, uh, Riesling. to cool you down, down. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or a little mus- Moscato is all my mom drinks. Moscati, yeah. let me get in I'm sorry. I know my mom listens to this. I'm sorry, Bob, But it was really funny when she said that. Okay. Anyways, ladies, thank you so much for chatting with me. Oh uh, listeners, you. we're going on to the positive tip, but you ladies stay there just a moment. Find and follow those ladies on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Wine Nance. Or on their website, FI, got excited, forgot to ask them to to drop their socials, whoopsie. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed that conversation about black money, the FIRE movement. Uh, So the positive tip, besides um, the the fact that information is power, and we as women, we as black people... um, I'm speaking from my experience. I know I have listeners of all backgrounds, but we as women, we as black people, we as people have the opportunity to share the information that we know about finances. So my my positive tip is that it's gotta get better. You know, there's like really no other option, right? Um, so it's really gotta get better. And, you know, through different um avenues per se it's a stimulus check utilize or a bonus utilizing that to start kickstart your wealth journey is an awesome idea and I think that's definitely what I'm gonna do I just recently got off the phone with with the advisor financial advisor and I know I'm not where I want to be but I am not that far um, from where I want to be, so I'm just going to kick it in gear and do what I got to do. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening uh, to Young Black Misses. If you gain value from this episode or this podcast as a whole, sharing is caring, y'all. Share it with a friend, share it with a colleague, and just let them know Young Black Misses is here to stay this little indie podcast that could and that would and that will okay until next time oh wait hold on let me drop who's coming up next week okay so we did black money now we're gonna do black love and i don't cuss on this podcast and i'm gonna say that when i talk to her but the hitch bitch is coming y'all yes so stay tuned all right until next week peace